0: ...like we are family, or at least you're faking it very, very well, all right? This morning is going to be um, unique, all right? It's going to be different, and we need that, too. It's not going to be typical, all right? And uh, so several weeks back, we had a time where we simply read Scripture. And because I'm a super honest with my congregation per- person, a couple people have asked me how that went, Okay? How did that go? How do you think the congregation, how, how's the response been? And I'm going to tell you exactly how it's been at the risk of offending people. If you get offended, maybe you need to look in the mirror, okay? But here's how it went. The folks that have uh, put the time in, that, that, we, that read scripture, that have stepped up in leadership, that are serving, people who, who have been here and are really pouring into Jesus, Loved it. Loved it. For the most part, the congregation in general thought it was fine. They followed, they trusted, it was okay. And the more, the folks who were less mature in the Lord, let's say, didn't care for it at all and let me know. And guess what? That's okay. Now, some of you are going, man, I thought I was spiritually mature and I didn't care for it at all. It's not an exact science. I will admit that, all right, but for the most part, that's how it went. We need to learn to allow God's Word to cover us, to grow us, to provide for us. Listen, you know what it's like? It's like water, okay? Guess what? Water is boring. Water doesn't do for the body what coffee does to pick it up. Water doesn't do what an energy drink does. And it sure doesn't taste like Kool-Aid, lemonade, or for the older folks in the room, tang. All right? It's boring, but listen to me. Your body needs it, and coffee doesn't count. Does that make sense? It's boring, but it's necessary, and it's life-giving. That is what Scripture is. Okay? So that week, I have, listen... Love it, hate it, I told you where we were going. We are going to get into this stuff because this is the stuff that changes lives, okay? Today is prayer. Today is prayer. Prayer weirds out the good Baptists in the room. Not because they don't believe in prayer, all right? But prayer should be in the thing. We do a benediction, we do an invocation, and we pray before our meals. That's what prayer is. But it's not... Prayer is how you and God have a conversation. And if I went around the room and I said, hey, who who prayed this week? Somebody said, well, I was about in an accident. I prayed really hard right then. Right? Or, hey, we pray before every meal. All right? Well, let's just say that you've talked to God for 10 minutes this week. How good would your marriage be if you talked to your spouse for 10 minutes a week? Not very good, right? And we're waiting. We're watching for those Prayer warriors. Have you ever prayed with somebody, had them hold your hand, had them put their hand on your shoulder and pray over you, and you were like, I think I just got saved again. That's happened to me. I can tell you their names, man. Diane Cobb, that that woman could look at me and tell me I was ugly and my feet got put on backwards, and I'm like, thank you. Thank you. God loves us. I mean, she just oozed that. And when she prayed, I felt like, I mean, I felt like I could push the pillars down. You know what I'm saying? Mike Satterfield, a preacher. That man prayed for me over the phone, and I pulled my my car off the road. I was like, Jesus has taken the wheel. You know? I was like, Carrie Underwood got it right. You know? Have you ever had that? We're, we're, We're looking for that. We're waiting for that. I would love to have those people back in this room or in the fellowship hall praying for you and for me during these services. Gotta learn to pray. Our daughters need to watch us pray. So I'm gonna gonna, gonna toss the gauntlet out again this week. It's a special week. It's Father's Day. We're going to uh, ordain by prayer our newest elder in our congregation today. You're going to hear from Spencer, you're going to hear from Steve, and you're going to hear from me today. And it's going to be a beautiful and challenging and holy time for our church. But prior to that, we're going to pray. Okay? The music is going to come on. Jim's going to do that for us right now. And I want you to breathe in. THERE WILL BE SCRIPTURES ABOUT PRAYER ON THE SCREEN. BUT HERE'S MY CHALLENGE. RIGHT BEFORE JESUS WENT TO THE CROSS IN JOHN CHAPTERS 19 AND 20, ALL RIGHT, RIGHT BEFORE JESUS WENT TO THE CROSS AT THAT TIME, HE PRAYED FIRST FOR HIMSELF, THEN FOR HIS DISCIPLES, AND THEN FOR ALL BELIEVERS, OKAY? HE PRAYED. HE WITHDREW TO THE MOUNTAIN TO PRAY We need to learn to pray alone. We need to learn to pray together. We need to learn to pray for one another. So in this time of worship, I'm asking you, I am am calling on your discomfort. Find a place where you can kneel. The altar's open, the stage is open. Fill the stage. I don't care. I know it's weird. Fill it up. Maybe go get somebody man. God's just leading me to pray for you and I know it's weird, but would you like to would you like to pray? Find an elder find a small group leader walk up to him and say would you pray for me? Do you need somebody to pray for you? I'll be right here But we're gonna call upon the Lord and we're gonna ask him to do great and mighty works That we cannot maybe your heart's broken. Maybe you're sick. Maybe your faith is strained. Maybe you're alone. None of those things are what God wants for you. He can take hopelessness and fill it with hope. He can take chaos and fill it with peace. He can take emptiness and make your life full. Amazing things happen, not when preachers preach or singers sing. Amazing things happen when God's people pray. Church, we need to learn and to teach our children how to pray. Grief that needs to be pushed away. Hope that needs to be restored. Decisions that need to be made that are just difficult. Isn't that the worst, man? You know. You know there's something that you have to do. A call you have to answer. A hard thing you have to cut off. And you just can't. You need somebody to pray for you today? Church, we got to pray. We got to ask God. We got to act like he's our friend. We got to act like he's our father. We got to act like we know him.
1: So, um, it was very encouraging to see everybody so open and willing to pray, and I I feel like there is, in this congregation, a, uh, God speaking to us, right? Don't, don't forget to read your Bibles. I mean, it is God's, almost his half of the conversation when we pray. Remember that. Um, Let let me, I know we just finished praying. I'm going to open in in prayer again also. Father, thank you so much for the opportunity to come boldly before you, to pray, to supplicate, To you, the things that are on our hearts and the things that we need from you. We thank you so much for your love. Father, we just pray this morning as we focus on your word and uh, upon the things it takes to be a leader in this church, your church, what it takes to be a steward of the things that you've given to us. We just pray that you would let your spirit talk to us we pray these things in Christ's name this morning amen all right so we are so if you have your bibles uh, i'm going to be talking out of second peter I'm sorry, 1 Peter 5 uh, verses 1 through 4 and we're talking about um, we're talking today about eldership shepherding, we're talking about um, also you know, stewardship of the things that God's given to us and uh, that applies to everybody, right? We're focusing on, on less a little bit today and Steve and I as elders, but Really, this is about all of us, right? As a, in a congregation, <clears throat> First Peter, chapter five, verses one through four says, <clears throat> "To the elders among you, I appeal as a fellow elder and a witness of Christ's sufferings, who also will share in the glory to be revealed. Be shepherds of God's flock that is under your care, watching over them not because you must, but because you are willing." As God wants you to be. Not pursuing dishonest gain, but eager to serve. Not lording it over those entrusted to you, but being examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the crown of glory that will never fade away. So Peter, he was an apostle, right? But he was also an elder, as we found out in this passage. And this passage here is simply Peter using his weighty and uh, considerable influence to influence other elders in the church and what that means. There's passages in the New Testament, um, qualifications, lists and stuff. It's really good reading. Um, But Peter's talking here about what do you do once you become an elder? You know, how are, what is that supposed to look like? And um, he's basically giving us, you know, what does what a good elder look like versus a, a bad elder, elder? A good shepherd versus a bad shepherd. And um, <clears throat> real quickly, what's a bad shepherd according to Peter? He says it's somebody that abuses the power that's been given to him, right? Uh, verse 2, verse 3 says, they use it for selfish gain, or they lord it over those who've been entrusted to them, right? And an Old Testament example of this might be uh, King David and uh, the story of him and Bathsheba and Uriah the Hittite, right? Uh, story goes in 2 Samuel that uh, when his David's armies were away, David sees Bathsheba. Takes her for himself. Bathsheba becomes pregnant, and to hide the fact, he has Uriah the Hittite killed secretly. Right, and so Nathan the prophet comes later, and he's uh, he comes to David, tells him a story, and he doesn't. Oddly enough, he doesn't accuse David of of being a, a murderer or a a an adulterer. This is what he says to him. 2 Samuel chapter 12, verse 7. You are the man, he says. Thus says the Lord God of Israel. It is I who anointed you king over Israel, and it is I who delivered you from the hand of Saul. I also gave you your master's house and your master's wives into your care, and I gave you the house of Israel and Judah. And if that had been too little... I would have added to you many more things like these. Why have you despised the word of the Lord by doing evil in his sight? So David had entrusted to him the kingship of of Israel, right? That was God's people, his flock. And what really bothered God was the fact that his power that he had given to David was misused. And same thing Peter's saying here today Is that the misuse of the power that God gives us Or the stewardship of the, his people That grieves God to uh, no end and, and David was cursed horribly because of it For the rest of his life His family paid the price for years to come And we see that in our world today Over and over But no, there's, there are three things in this passage I want to point out that Uh, peter actually says make a good elder and they are simply first remember whose flock you're shepherding it's not yours right it's god's flock number two serve willingly touch on that here and say it and look forward to the coming of the greatest shepherd of all jesus so first of all this congregation belongs to god and if an elder sees his responsibilities as something that eventually he's going to have to give back to the master that should influence his uh his motivation it should keep him from being negligent in his duties right and so we're charged with that um it should humble us the officer uh, the office of elder is not in and of itself a, a reward right it's our reward comes in heaven like any stewardship we have. Um, <clears throat> same for all of us. We've all been entrusted with stuff. Time, talent, and riches. And you know, that which we do in life echoes in eternity. So says Maximus. Your children, your children are a stewardship, right? Um, I, there's a podcast I really like about marriage. Uh, it's called The Stronger Marriage Podcast by Trey and Lee. And they said this week something that made me think, uh, namely that by the time your kids become, turn 18, you've probably already spent about 90% of the time you will ever spend with that kid. So use, use your time wisely. Use the stewardships of the things that God's given to you. Um, don't neglect what God's given to you. So second of all, P- Peter says here also, serve willingly not not begrudgingly not uh uh, don't do things out of a sense of duty but do them with a certain amount of emotion behind them right that's kind of hard for me i've been accused several times recently people close to me that i i don't i don't always feel i don't always uh you know yeah Um, but you know what did we learn in small group here recently? We learned that compassion was Jesus's probably his number one emotion, right? And that that compassion always led to some sort of action, and so it should be with us. Um, <clears throat> you know, if I buy my wife a, a bouquet of flowers and take it to her and um, it, take it to her, and I say, "Here you go, honey." And she, thanked, she thanks me and says oh great that's awesome thank you honey but i'm like eh, you know i was told i should do that it's my duty to give you these flowers it doesn't really it checks it off of my list or something it, it's not effective right it's not what god wants god says here a willing servant is what he's looking for so check yourselves check to see if that's true are you serving with willingness and finally Peter says. Peter says, "Tell." He, sa- he says to his fellow shepherds in verse four, "Remember the chief shepherd is coming. That's when the time of reward is imminent. It's at hand." You now, if the person of Jesus Christ does not motivate you and I, if if, if that if that he does not affect how we live our lives and there's something wrong with our faith right and we need to check ourselves we don't know him perhaps as well as we should and i could spend a long time on that but i I'm, i don't mean to um, basically you know jesus is immense we see in hebrews where he is The heir of all things, the creator, the one who holds things together without them falling apart. But he's also the guy that put mud in somebody's eye and made them not blind anymore. He's the guy that was the healer. So so Jesus was and is a complex fella. He's both the caring shepherd and he's the scary lion of Judah. So remember these three things. They apply to all of us, but they especially apply to those who are in leadership to Les and to myself and to steve craig you know remember whose flock this is serve willingly and finally remember jesus is coming back and i stand here to testify that those things I, i've seen in Les, and i'm sure you guys have all too his his service to this church has been undeniable I'm so happy to have him joining Steve and I. Uh, he makes us better. And I think he does it all because of Jesus. So I'm going to let Brother Steve say his piece.
2: This chord's going to be a challenge. <laughs> I'm not going to be able to, so I might yank this thing out of the wall, but uh, I might, let's see, try this, we'll see. All right. Ho! Oh. and we need somebody in the church to uh, make a donation of uh, tissue paper, because uh, the last few minutes was a little tough, but uh, um, thank you, uh, Spencer. Uh, alright so I'm going to read to you from 1st Timothy chapter 3 um, this is a letter from Paul to Timothy Paul went out opened up a lot of churches and he left certain people in charge okay so 1st Tim- Timothy chapter 3 I'm going to start in verse 1 okay Here's a trustworthy saying, whoever aspires to be an overseer desires a noble task. I'm gonna circle back to that. Now the overseer is to be above reproach, faithful to his wife, temperate, self-controlled, respectable, hospitable, able to teach, not given to drunkenness, not violent, but gentle, not quarrelsome, not a lover of money. He must manage his own family well and see that his children obey him And he must do so in a manner worthy of full respect. If anyone does not know how to manage his own family, how can he take care of God's church? He must not be a recent convert or he may be conceited and fall under the same judgment as the devil. He must also have a good reputation with outsiders so that he may not fall into disgrace and into the devil's trap. In the same way, deacons are worthy of respect, sincere, not indulging in much wine and not pursuing dishonest gain. They must keep hold of the deep truths of the faith with a clear conscience. They must first be tested and then if there's nothing against them, let them serve. All right, so Spencer kind of hit it a lot and it's the the idea of the nobility of the task, the weight of that that as an as someone in leadership in a church it can sometimes be a kind of lonely thing right it's it can be seen in a way that is that is difficult at times and what was on my heart was is that the nobility of the task, the weightiness of the task, the reward is not here. The reward is in heaven. But remember this: Your leaders, it tells us in Hebrews 13:17, have confidence in your leaders and submit to their authority, because they keep watch over you as those who must give an account. Do this so that their work will be a joy and not a burden, for, if, for that would be of no benefit to you. So the point being is, is if it's a burden, it's not going to be a benefit to you. If it's done um, grudgingly, out of duty, as, as, as Spencer brought up, if, if I go to Cy and I give her flowers and I say, I'm supposed to give you flowers because it's Valentine's Day. Happy Valentine's Day, babe. How does that go? Does that go well? Right? So I had this. So I had this thought this morning and in kids ministry and a lot of you guys over here will remember this. That's set in kids ministry. So I'm going to ask you to pay attention. Okay. So some of you sat in kids ministry for years. Okay. What is one of the things that I would say to you guys all the time? If you want to be first, you must first be... All right, let's do it again. If you want to be first, you must first be last. Okay. All right. Why do we talk about that? When, when we would do kids ministry, I would always give them a sucker or some piece of a candy And my thing was to them if whoever was last in line got two. Okay? So guess what they fought to do? Be last in line. Right? The world does not teach us that, the world teaches us to take, to use. Does that make sense? So the nobility of of leadership has to be that similar of Christ, that we don't necessarily always get treats in this life. Exercising discipline, having hard conversations, that is not fun. There's nothing fun about that because you know what? There's a church on every block in America and you can go somewhere else. If I go to Craig or if I go to Mark and I say, Mark, you know what? You're missing the mark. Yeah, good choice of words there. Duh. Craig, you're missing the mark. That's tough, that's difficult. It's difficult because guess what? Mark can pack up shop and go across the street. He can go over here to St. Luke's, he can go over here to Catalyst. So listen, it's hard. I'm going to read to you from Philippians chapter 2 verse 5 through 7 and this is Paul talking to us in your relationships with one another have the same mindset as Christ Jesus who being in very nature God did not consider equality with God something to be used to his advantage that word there is grasped or leveraged Does that make sense? Jesus didn't leverage being God as a reason to get down off the cross. He became a slave. He became a servant on the cross for our sins. Even though he was in human likeness. Christ teaches us to sacrifice, to give, and to love. But the world does not teach us that. We see it today, gang. We see it today in our leaders all around the world. And this is not a political statement. But both sides, gang, they leverage for themselves. True leadership is about giving, loving, serving, being there. And yesterday it was so cool. I looked around inside, put together the art in the park and we had a bunch of kids from, from, from different places and Art in the Park is really designed to reach those kids that are unchurched, okay? And I looked around and every one of the elders were there. It was a nice, beautiful, beautiful day. Could have been on the, could have been fishing. And that's not an indictment against if you weren't there. The point is, is it's about service. It's about giving of yourself and there I will tell you there's very few people in the church that serve like Les Wood does cleaning toilets mowing grass working with the kids on Wednesday night and that makes him eligible for that call
0: One of the things that was asked of the elders, me included, was that Les knows this. We ain't focusing on him, okay? That does nothing for the church, all right? Everything is about who Jesus is, the office of elder, the challenge that we should have in being able to say this is who we want to be. Spencer focused on shepherding, what it means to shepherd, how hard it is to actually shepherd, okay? Do you know what makes shepherding the hardest? Sheep are stupid, okay? I know, I, I, and don't go out of here saying, you know what, he called me stupid. What, well, yes and no, yes and no, but that's what makes it difficult. But we all have to learn because we're not all aspiring to be elders, but we're all aspiring to be the type of men and women that live up to these qualifications. Now, let me say something else really quickly. None of us are fully qualified. Let me say it again for the people in the back. None of us are fully qualified. I did. I sat in my office yesterday and I had to look somebody in the eye and I had to say, I, I, I don't know. I can't be perfect. I, I, I can't live up. I, I'm, I'm never going to do that. I've told you, I've told the church that I never got to go back to and I'll say it again until I'm done. If you need a perfect preacher, pick another place. If you need perfect elders, pick another place. We are trying trying to live up to this list. We are running a race that makes us uh, want, want, have a desire, not, not, I have to do this in order to stand in line. No, I want to be a good dad. I want to be a good communicator. I want to be a good shepherd. I want to give. It's why I still write checks. I know that 65% of the people in this church give online. And I don't have any problem with it. But I fought it for years. But that's a me problem. You know why? Because I still want to write a check. There's something about the act of doing for me that makes it worshipful for me. That doesn't mean it's right for everybody. It's right for me. But I want that. I, I want that. That's what they were talking about. You don't do it out of obligation or because it's checked off a list. You do it because you desire to do it. And it makes a difference. You do not want this job. You do not want this job. When we get this right, or at least close to right, when you stand before the Lord, okay? Children, wives, you're responsible. For you. Okay? Now, bad or good, your husbands are responsible for themselves and you and the children. Do you understand that? That's how this works. Well, my husband is a, okay, I hear you. And I get how hard that is and how difficult that is. But God will take care of that in his time. You will stand before the Lord for what kind of mother you were... ...and what kind of children you raised... ...but he will stand for the man he was... ...the spouse you were, and the kids too. Now, that goes one step up when it gets to elder. Steve is responsible for how he lives his life. He is responsible for his bride. He is responsible for his daughters. And he is responsible for every one of you... ...and your wives and your daughters... That's just how this goes. You don't want that. And if you do, you might want to check some things. Steve hit on a verse that's the hardest verse for me. I think it's one of the hardest for him too... ...because I remember when we talked about eldership... ...at Starbucks on Nicholasville Road. I still remember that day. One of the hardest parts of our covenant... ...one of the hardest parts of marriage... ...and one of the hardest parts of eldership... ...and membership is this... ...there is a submission factor that has to occur. Wives, submit to your husbands. Period. That's Bible. Church, submit to the overseers. So in God's design for the way things go... ...the most spiritually immature person in the church would say... I need no one to speak into me, to tell me what I'm doing wrong, to help me in any way, because I can handle it. You, my friends, are the immature bottom of the ladder. I want my elders to speak into me when they feel like it or when it doesn't hurt my feelings. You're the middle of the road. I need... The spiritual authority of the place that God placed me and the men God put in my life to help me be a better husband, a better father, a better individual, and a better believer. And I will take any construction that I can get from those men. You're the spiritual top of the ladder. That is humility and maturity. ...all at the same time. You know what the thing about last is? Uh, He spoke on shepherding. He spoke on the nobility of the office. When I thought about this... ...and I thought about why we called upon this man... ...it was living sacrificially. And that's something that we all... ...that Craig needs to learn as as a husband... ...that Craig needs to learn as a brother... ...that Craig needs to learn as a pastor... And there's three passages i want to hit on therefore i urge you brothers and sisters in view of god's mercy to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice ...holy and pleasing to God. This is proper worship. Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world... ...but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is... ...his good, pleasing, perfect will. Are any of us perfect? We are not. Do we have a past? Yes, we do. Is Les Wood always been the guy we know today? No, he has not. His wife will testify. His friends will testify... I don't know exactly when Les and I met for the first time, but I know when I met Sicily. all right, I, I walked the Asian princess down the aisle at Nicole's wedding. We were paired up in, in, the, in the wedding party, all right? So it was like, hey, how are you doing? Because she had on heels. And she, I knew she was Nicole's friend. That's what I knew. You know, and then there were, uh, you know, we'd come see George play and, and, and they'd be there. And then I just knew uh, uh, about them. (laughs) And uh, right on cue. But in there, and I think Les would tell you this, in his relationship with his father, in his relationship with his spouse, there was some struggles, there was some turmoils, there was some miry depth. And something had to change. And there was a massive stepping away from conforming and a massive stepping into transforming that makes a man all of the sudden drive from Cynthiana to Nicholasville on Tuesdays to sit in a small group and tuck his children in late. Drive back on Wednesdays to work with your children. Drive back on Sundays, all right... Then decide that God has called them and sell their home and move so that they can continue to cut grass, continue to be here at 7 a.m. from men's ministry, which he drove up for that too. continue to do Tuesday night uh, small groups, Wednesday night work, Sunday morning. You know, what my favorite story is my f- this is my favorite story. About six months ago, I go up to Les, who's in charge of one of the cleaning teams, and I said, hey man, hey man, we're back to two days a week. This was back in August. We're back to two days a week to clean because we have to clean on Wednesdays and on Saturdays. And he walks out, I was, we were right there, and he walks me back toward it. He looks down at me, he says, I can't do anything else. And I think he expected, I don't know what he expected, but I looked at him and I was like, good boy. I was actually proud of him. I was like, That's it, man. Where has that been? You can say no, big bro. You're allowed. That's my favorite. That is one of my favorite moments because that, you have to do that. You can't be the husband you need to be and not do that. You can't be the elder you need to be and not do that. You have to say no. But he's like, I don't have another day. And those days aren't filled with soccer and baseball and badminton and croquet. Those days are filled with men's ministry. You know, yesterday... Yesterday, Steve says, we're all out there at the thing. You know, I'm in the kitchen stuffing hot dogs. Steve's out there doing this and that and the other. Spencer's teaching. Les is teaching. You know, we get done. We get everything up. Everybody goes home. Except Les. You know what Les is doing? He's got the weed eater. You know what he did after that? Went and got raid or not raid. What's it called? Whatever kills weeds. That. Went and got some Roundup. Sprayed it. Do not be conformed any longer, but be transformed. Sacrifice involves transformation. You're no longer who you were. You're who God wants you to be. Next, whatever you do, work at it with all of your heart as working for the Lord. That's what Spencer was talking about. We're doing everything because it's not ours. You can own a restaurant, and you can manage a restaurant, and you can work at a restaurant. But here's the key. The manager, sure he's in charge, but it ain't his Guess what? Your kids ain't yours. Your money ain't yours. Your time ain't yours. It is given to you by God and he will take it away when he is ready. How are you handling his stuff? The example of the elder should be this is how you handle your stuff. We don't always get it right, but that's the example. That's the call. And I can say I want to handle my tithe like Les does. I want to handle my time in serving like Les does. I can look at Mark. I can look at Tay. I can look and say, work, give, serve like these men. That's what I can say. Whatever you do, since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the reward. <laughs> Steve called it. There ain't no reward here for this. We get a whole lot more. Don't say that to me. You're not allowed to say that to me. I'm leaving. You know what? I'm not trying to offend anybody here, but you know what the hardest thing for a pastor and an elder is? Folks who take off from the church and never say a word. Throw your shoulders back. Walk in the office and say, hey, God's done with me here. My family and I are going somewhere else. I'll pat you on the butt on the way out. But at least respect that. That hurts. It hurts. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but consider others better than yourselves. Not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. Question, church. Do you live your life as if everybody else is more important than you? Or do you live your life as if you're more important than everyone else? This is on the other side. I just read before what Steve read and I'm reading after what Steve read. Do everything without complaining or arguing. Do everything without grumbling or arguing. Do everything without grumbling or arguing... ...so that you may become blameless and pure children of God... ...without fault in a crooked and depraved generations. Then you will shine like stars. This is how the first become last. This is why Jesus got down on his hands and knees and took the dusty, dirty, toe-jam-filled feet of fishermen and tax collectors and washed them and dried them, knowing that one of them would kill him. Judas 8-2. Judas 8-2. About two years ago, We had tossed around several names. We still toss around names all the time. It's our job. It's one of the biblical things that elders do. Les' name came up more than once. In fact, fact, I was the one that balked. Uh, First couple times. It was me. One day that name came up and it was, man, you know, you just know that you know that you know. Ah, You know, everybody in the room just goes... This is it. That's when eldership's fun. You're like, we know what God's doing, so it's time. We knew it was time, but I went to Les, and Les had no idea it was coming. I could have said to him, hey, man, I just bought a dog with seven heads, and he would have believed it more than what I just asked him. (laughs) He just put his hands in his pockets like he always does, and those shoulders kind of went down, and he goes, okay. And I told him on that day, I said, you won't hear from me again, didn't I? You will not hear from me again. And he didn't. Man, I held that in for almost six months. And he pulls me to the other side of the fellowship hall one day and he puts his arm around me and he says, I'm ready. That was that. No more. No discussion. That was that. And we've been about 18 months. He's just been sitting in that office, hanging out, putting in input, doing his job, never asking when it was going to be for sure, when it wasn't going to be for sure. Everything about it was the way eldership ought to happen. Humble, serving, waiting, giving. We want you to have individuals you can go to your kids like that. Not perfect. But like that. Okay? We all should aspire to be all of these things too. Now... In the New Testament after what Paul did was he would go from place to place and he would love on people and he would teach and he would teach and they would do this every day and he would be there a couple of years and and people would rise up in how they served and how they loved and how they were diakoneo, that's the word for deacon, how they cared for the people around them. And when it was time for Paul to leave, he would go and he would lay his hands on a couple of men and he would say, God has chosen you. And he would pray for them, all right? Because he knew that they needed it. He knew how hard shepherding was. He knew what a lonely place leadership can be, all right? When, 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 when David was chosen, when Samuel uh, did what he did, when leaders were chosen, they would put hands on them and anoint them with oil. We're not pouring any Crisco on anybody today, all right? I do have some, some, some oils in the back if y'all need some kind of spiritual something, something, but we're good, All we're doing when we put hands on somebody is saying, I'm I'm making a connection with you. I want you to hear from my heart. I want you to hear from my spirit. I want you to know that I'm going to God with you. All right? And it may get weird and it may get awkward, but this is a momentous occasion. Bless. Right here, my man. Right here, my man. Steve, Spence, come on. You can sit. It's going to be a minute. All right? Now listen, I need a couple of you, especially you ladies, to partner with Sicily. Hey, being a preacher's wife and an elder's wife is not a task anybody signed up for, all right? Jamie knew coming in. Sicily didn't have any idea. She did call me two weeks after I asked him. She had one question. What am I supposed to do? <laughs> and basically I said, wait, watch, you're doing it. Okay, but her and those babies need prayed over too because this can be a lonely place. It can be a hurtful place, all right? I'm saying anyone who wants to come and put a hand on him or this family right now, you may do so. And Steve is going to vocalize our prayers as we accept the fact that God has called as we encourage the fact that God has called, as we call for protection over Him, and as we unite as a church in choosing leadership that will choose our path together. This is a big deal. And we come before the Lord together. Hands on. Yeah, take your time, wait for them. their sheep.
2: I will tell you, um, in my Bible i have this very picture to this day
0: (laughs) yeah somebody might want to take a picture or two for the family not that it's a big deal but they'll want to remember (laughs) people like sicily
2: (laughs) father i thank you for this family i thank you that you brought them to us lord we just lift them up to you. Lord, we just ask that um, you bless the work and the ministry that Les and Cicely have already started, Lord. You're so good. You brought them to us, and, and we are so grateful. Lord, I ask that you guard Les's heart, that you guard Cicely's heart. Lord, I just, I just pray a hedge of protection over them. Lord, I ask that you, that you use them, continue to use them and grow their influence in this church and in your kingdom. I could think of no better couple that represents that than Les and Sicily. And Lord, I just ask that you just continue to use them for your glory and your honor, not for ours, not for us. It's not a duty, it is an absolute joy to serve your people, your church, Lord. I thank you for each and every one of these people, and I thank you for the kids, Lord. It's a heavy task. It's a heavy task to carry, to be a, a leadership's kid because you're always, everybody's always watching. Lord, I just ask that you bless Jocelyn, Addie, Calvin, Lord. Continue to use them to influence your kingdom. Lord, thank you for less thank you for his willingness to step into this role because it's not easy but Lord we look to that reward in heaven and Lord we ask all these things in the wonderful name of Jesus amen